Welcome everyone to the Bread of Life. I'm Joe Van Hoogen, and I'm the Bible teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. I'm also the executive director of the International Outreach and Disciple-Making Ministry, Church Partnership Evangelism. For the last 30 years, we've had ministry expressions in over 70 different countries. You can learn about the effective manner in which we're raising up national evangelists, disciple makers, and church planters by going to cpeonline.org or traincpe.org. I hope you will. Your prayers and your gifts are used of God to sustain this work. Let us turn now to continue a consideration in Psalm 1 and the happy righteous man. There we're told that the righteous man delights in the law of God and meditates upon it day and night. The actual meaning of the word meditate is, he hums it. The law of God is the song that is always playing in the background of a happy man. God's word, folks, was meant to leave us happy. You know how we are. We go about our days. You might watch a nowadays a television program and a movie. You'll discover that to all of the persons who direct these movies have to put music in the background. There has to be some music to set the mood, to kind of establish what's going to be happening. The music really expresses the undercurrent theme or the artistic expression of that life. And listen, before the director of some movie ever did that, we were doing that for ourselves. There was always music in our lives. In the background, we were always scoring our life with some sound, some notes, some hum. For the righteous man, his life is humming in the joys and celebration of the word and truth and law of God. It hums from his life. It's the score that's in the background of his very existence. And he delights in this. He delights in giving himself completely to it. Just this morning, Terry complimented me on my suit. I told Terry, you know, Terry, I I like wearing the suits. I enjoy it. But actually, the reason I'm committed to wearing suits is my dad wanted me to wear a suit. He felt it was important that when we stood forward and proclaimed God's word, that we expressed some sense of seriousness and reserve and we weren't casual in it. And Well, I actually delight in following the way of my father, my earthly father. I remember a few years ago, I had an opportunity to preach at a pastor's conference in Indonesia. To about, it was the first gathering of a pastor's conference for a denomination in Indonesia, a denomination that as a child I had prayed for. I was on the island of Sumatra spoke to about 600 pastors that had gathered around from about 3,000 or more churches throughout Indonesia. You know, I had to pick shoes to take with me to go speak at that conference. I picked a pair of old worn shoes that were my dad's shoes that my dad wore, and I wore them each time I spoke. I took great joy in it. Great joy in being able to fulfill and express something of what was a desire of his own heart, his own wish for his life, and his desire and longing for his children's lives that they would make impact, and they would be servants of Him and of the Lord Jesus Christ and of His kingdom. The righteous man takes delight in following in his Father's footsteps. He takes delight in the law because the law is the expression of the heart and passion above everything else in the expression of God's own character and nature. God is showing us, here's how you follow me, here's how you walk after me, here's how you give a reflection to who I am. The righteous one delights and following in the footsteps of this God. He finds a sanctifying delight in the law of God, and he disciplines himself. He hums that law to his life. The third thing we see here is 
what this blessedness brings. It comes to him by being in the right fellowship. It comes to him by this delight and this discipline. But it brings to him an enduring fruitfulness, a life of lasting impact. You see that in verse 3a. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its seasons, whose leaf shall not wither. Rising out of this delighted obedience is a sustained fruitfulness in the character of that man's life. There is a fruitfulness in the benefit that his life has upon the society in which he lives that cannot be stopped. This righteous one is described as a fruitful planted tree. This is not a random tree that has sprouted out in the middle of some odd place. This is a tree that has been planted and it is fruitful in fulfilling its master's purpose. And the rivers of water there are really in the Hebrew the words for canals. This master has brought streams or canals to flow in and out around the roots to make sure that it's always watered and it's always nourished and cared for and God is blessing him. There are some examples of righteous ones or those who have experienced this kind of blessing and fruitfulness. There's Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 19, we're told of Samuel, the last judge of the nation of Israel, that as he grew, the Lord was with him, and the Lord let none of his words fall to the ground. In other words, his life had impact. It had lasting impact. His ministry among individuals wasn't wasted at any point. It didn't dissipate. It brought about lasting fruit. We don't always, oftentimes, think that we're being fruitful or God is using us because we look at the difficulties and hardship of our lives and we think actually that everything's turned against us. We're like Jacob who, after he lost his son Joseph, is heard to lament, all these things have turned against me, not knowing that God was planning a salvation for his sons and his family because Joseph had been sent off into slavery, even sold into slavery, if you remember the story. He'd been sold into slavery by his own brothers his own brothers had come back to Jacob with a garment that had been Joseph's garment that they had dipped in the blood of a sheep that they had killed and said that some wild animal must have killed his son. Hiding from their father, they had actually sold this brother into slavery. Years came, famine came upon the land. Jacob had to send his children down into Egypt, some of his sons down in Egypt, in order to find food for them to eat. He sent down along with them the youngest son, the full brother of Joseph, Benjamin. You might remember, food was sent back to Jacob. Oh, by the one who released the food to them was Joseph. He had risen from slavery in Egypt to be the second power of all of Egypt, not knowing that God was working out good. Jacob said, all these things are against me. Joseph really is the one who is the picture or image of the righteous one. He is a type of the righteous one. Because even when difficulties and hardship comes, Joseph says what men meant for evil, God meant for good. God sends his streams of waters. God causes his planted tree to flourish in the midst of difficulty and hardship. Here's what it says. Everything he does shall prosper. It prospers. He blesses them. That's the picture of the blessed, happy, righteous one. This is conversely true with the unrighteous. The unrighteous lives a life that is not lastingly or enduringly fruitful. The psalmist may have been led to compare the unrighteous to a barren tree or a derelict tree, but that's not what he compares it to. He compares them to a husk or chaff that is blown away. And every Jew in that day knew how easy it was to blow away chaff. 
they could winnow wheat in their hands. You have the story of the Lord Jesus on one occasion, one Sunday, one Sabbath, I should say, walking through some fields with his disciples and they were grabbing grains of wheat in their hands and they were rubbing them together and blowing away the chaff and popping the seeds in their mouth. The Pharisees didn't like it. They claimed that they were doing work on the Sabbath. The Lord Jesus said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. His disciples can do what they want. They can feed themselves. But see how easy that was? Just to grab the grain, just to rub your hands, blow away the chaff and eat the grain. The wicked are being compared to chaff that's easily blown away and dismissed. The righteous is a tree that's roots are surrounded by rivers or channels of water that bring forth lasting fruit. Their leaf never withers. Whatever comes from them prospers. What a contrast. What a tremendous contrast. Yes, there is this expression of prosperity here. And by the way, I would warn you, a lot of individuals have circled that passage, whatever he does prospers of the righteous, and they've used it as a formula for a business strategy. Let me just suggest to you, this is not a good business strategy. Here's something you don't want to put down for a motto for your life. Be righteous, get rich. doesn't work that way. That's not what's in the psalmist's mind here. The righteous one is victorious in all the pursuits, but their pursuits are not the things that you might think they are. He's not pursuing the things of the world. He's not pursuing those things that will rot and rust and will lose currency over time. He is storing up his treasures in heaven. He's pursuing the will of God. He's pursuing those things that bring honor and blessing to his name. He's pursuing a life of even sacrifice for his glory. Whatever he does, whatever he does prospers. He's victorious in those things. That's what's being expressed here. This blessedness also brings the righteous one into a purified community where he will stand forever before God in worship. This life of righteousness and fruitfulness is shared with others in the congregation of the righteous. You read this in verse 5. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment. That's speaking of the last judgment when all the works of men will be surveyed nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Now, that is a negative way of saying this, that when we get to heaven, there will be no compromise. There will be no impurity. There will be no unrighteous individuals in the congregation. Now, you might aspire for that and long for that, but think about it. That might cause you to be a little fearful as well. Will you be in that congregation? Will you stand in that place? The righteous one will stand in a place where a congregation is assembled forever before the presence of God and there will be no unrighteous individuals there. They will have been blown away like chaff into eternity. Now how does all this happen? All this is a certainty, this psalmist says, because God sees, because God knows. He knows the righteous and He knows the unrighteous. It says the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the ungodly shall perish. It's secure in this. It's secure and these things will come to pass because God will render His perfect judgment. He sees and He knows. Now, having said all that and gathered that all together, that's just a brief survey. We're going to draw a conclusion. This is an odd message without a really strong formulated three points. All right, We've just looked through the passage and we're going to draw a conclusion here. But something that we have to think about for a moment. Something that we have to ponder. If you read through the Psalms, the expectations of the Psalms are reflected in this expectation for 
a transcending, ascending righteousness that will bring us into the very presence of God in which we will take joy and delight in Him forever and ever. A God who, the psalmist tells us, at His right hands are everlasting pleasures forevermore. And these are the things that the righteous one aspires to. There is this aspiration for personal righteousness. Like a little child, they dream of being good little boys and girls and being able to be drawn up in that goodness into the very presence of God, enjoying Him, enjoying His fruitfulness, enjoying the privilege of relationship with Him. There is also in the Psalms another vision. It's not just an individual aspiration for personal righteousness, individual righteousness, but there is also in the Psalms a national aspiration for a kingdom to be expressed that will expand throughout all of the universe or all of the earth where out of Israel will rise up a king to reign over the nations and his reign will be glorious. And that kingdom finds its objective focus in the reign of David and through David, through his sons, until one day one son will seize and grab hold of and give expression to this righteous rule. And there are songs of great glory and rejoicing at the image the projected image of that kingdom. Psalm 89, we read it for our scripture reading. Read it again. Read the first two-thirds of it. It's an expression of the glorying in this kingdom that had not yet even been realized. A glorying in the expression of God's mighty victory and entering into the joyfulness of that kingdom that people had not even realized yet. It had just been promised. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.